cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Welcome to Updates, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 27. NSA Futures down 106. Uh, big move here this morning is in Target down 963. That's another 6%. This thing's been getting whacked. Well, they, they made somewhat of a comeback after their earnings fiasco, but uh, now they're saying they're having issues with uh, excess inventory. And I hear they just sent an uh, email to Eliani and Brendan saying, come over and get some stuff. Just saying. Do we have Brendan with us? Hi, Chief. How are you? Well, good. How are you? You gonna hustle over to Target and help them, help them with their uh, over overstocked shelves? I uh, sure am. Yeah, Target Target's every place, and try to go there at least once a week, whether I need to or not. Yeah, keep them afloat. They're down another 11, 11 smackers here this morning. Let me see what the low was after the earning. Uh, they got well, they got down to uh, one forty eight. They're right they're right about mm-hmm. at the old at the old lows here. I got the, the the bottom tick was uh, actually 145 on that one day that it was way down and it, uh, and it closed at 149. So the lowest close is 149.95, which we are now below, but we're not the, below the lowest tick. Uh, I got inventory issues, meaning people aren't buying so much, eh? Is that what that means in plain English? That's what it sounds like. Well, you're left with the wrong seasons of stuff, and they don't really have much room to store stuff in any of these places, do they? Everything is everything's out on yeah, the because no. most of the Target stores are downsized now. They're the the small neighborhood Targets instead of the big gigantic stores that they used to have. Well, they still have those in the Burbs, and they got the one on uh, on Elston that sells like there's no tomorrow. That, that place is. If uh, you ever go into that place, yeah, but there's, there's That's my most a lot of the newer stores that I've seen seem to be just tucked in different places and are much smaller than the old stores used to be. Right. Well, that's the city. Uh, they they did. <laughs> I tell you what, I mean, you, you, you don't like to accuse people of this, but if anybody in the, in the political world had stacked, in, it, it was Target the single biggest winner in Chicago during the COVID. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, they. Uh, them and Amazon. Well, yeah, them and Amazon. But I'm saying they, they really aren't any WalMarts. There's like one or two, right? Mm. And uh, and everybody. Yeah, I was trying to find the last time I was by Walmart. Well, there's the one on. Uh, 87th Street, and there's one where the old, where the old Pullman plant was, and there's no, I think there's another one northwest, but they they never let they were really didn't want Walmart here at all when Richie Daly was mayor. But Target, uh, yeah, there was one downtown, there was one downtown near Old St. Pat's near Presidential Towers, and that's closed up. And I'm trying to think there was another one that I used to see. I can't remember where that one was. Well, because Target uh, started to sell food years ago, they were able to sell like blue jeans and. Furniture and everything else for the whole pandemic. Everybody else was shut down. They did, they did well. <laughs> Just say. Um, so, what's up with you? Anything? Uh, what? Uh, what are you seeing in the in the news that you're you're sitting there going, "What the hell?" Over. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting with the summer activity at the beach. We had uh, a lot of beach activity uh, around Chicago last week. We were we were over in Michigan for a good part of the weekend, but we came back on. Uh, on Memorial Day evening, oh, I came back 
uh, Vail's still in Africa on her trip. And um, I came back, and there was a lot of activity being uh, people moved off the beach back into Lincoln Park, not as bad as it was a few weeks ago. But there's still quite a few people and a lot of police activity around here. Well, the uh, last night I was uh, I was watching, I didn't get a chance to listen, but they, how many mass shootings there were in the country over the weekend? One in Philadelphia? Like 12 or 13 or yeah. something like that. It was in a towns, huge number. In towns, all over the country in different parts. Yeah, towns you never even heard of. I mean, there was, what, 15 people shot? Mm-hmm. 15 or 14 in Philadelphia. And, um, I mean, really crazy stuff. I don't, uh, I, I, I think... I got a. I don't know. I don't know if you got it. I think maybe Lou sent it out or somebody was. All the stuff with, with the shutdowns and the and the COVID, all the things that people didn't think about <laughs> that you were going to do to people by doing that. Now you know, I don't know. It wasn't wasn't my call as to whether they did it, how long it lasted, but it sure seems like a lot of people are, are kind of goofy from being in. Every, my uh, my uh, nephew's wife. What, what, what is she? My I guess she's my niece, right? Uh, a school teacher, and I said, are, are, "Is everybody was everybody getting back to normal?" She goes, "Not even close. Scores are still behind. People are still having trouble. Interpersonal relationships, you know, people don't get along as well. It means it's 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 getting better, but it's really really slow. And I don't think anybody had any idea that it was going to take that long for people to get dragged back together. But it's, for some reason, it it has, Brendan. I don't know why. I mean, uh, I would have thought that it wouldn't take that long, but somehow or another, if you don't talk or see people, I guess, for a year and a half, you just, there must be something in us we didn't even know was there that uh, makes people a little more abrasive or a little less patient or whatever, but uh, and she said they're never going to catch up school-wise. Um, well, I, I think there's a variety of things that are, are feeding that screen, and you know, part of it is the pandemic and being isolated for so long so you don't get to exercise social skills. But I also think that in the last you know, 10 years or so, with the um, more and more people using social media, that they're, they're more troll-like in their behaviors, and they're, they're doing things more anonymously, but also without any real repercussions of personal interactions, and that's contributing a lot to the whole side of the mental health issues. In other words, you can be an ass without somebody punching you. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. That's basically it. I mean, uh, I think uh, you know, I think we're moving in this direction, but the pandemic was was an accelerant on uh, uh, because there's even much so much less personal interaction, whether it's in school or in the workplace or just in general society. Because places where you would normally go to socialize, movie theaters, restaurants, were shut down, and there wasn't that interaction. And when when there was interaction. You're finding things on roads that you see to a higher instance of road rage of people acting out. And I think that, uh, that part of that is due to how much social media people are using instead of personal interaction. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, some of it, some of it has to be, and I don't know, I don't know what percentage of it, but some of it has to be this total lack of any sort of enforcement whatsoever of any rules. I mean, you can, you can drive 100 miles an hour all, any, all day long and blow through every stop sign. Unless, unless you run into a cop, there's no chance of being pulled over. There's gotta be some, <laughs> the, uh, I, I, I was driving around this weekend and, uh, if you still listen to the show yesterday, the guys in front of me, they got this blacked out little noisy car. So I'm, I'm assuming it's, well, I shouldn't assume. I was gonna say it's, it's probably how many, how many minorities are in there, but it doesn't have to be, uh, how many guns are in there? And there's a, there's a moonroof, 
And every once in a while you see a huge puff of smoke coming out the moonroof like if it's Indians on the cliff in an old movie. Like they're smoking so much dope in there, the smoke's coming out the roof. I mean, you, you go mm-hmm. to Hubbard's Cave, all you do is smell, smell marijuana. I mean, is everybody driving 90 miles an hour stone? That's a scary thought. But you know, that, that's an interesting question. You know, since the legalization of marijuana it, um, and cannabis in different forms, there's, it's much more noticeable when you're walking around the streets of Chicago, even on the lakefront. You know, oh, yeah. You're wide open with, on busy days, but you can really smell it. I mean, there's, now that's that's a big difference between drinking, even though you're not supposed to drink in the parks and things like that. You know, people do. But um, when you're walking around the street, you can really smell the odor of marijuana when you're uh, when you're nearby it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't quite get. I was. Uh, I don't know if you listened uh, yesterday, but I was intrigued, and I was actually going to ask you about it a little bit. I don't know if you read this thing about the baby formula. Um, <clears throat> and we've had. A couple of people that are running for Congress on the air, and I was very impressed with both of them, one on the left, one on the right, uh, and I really hope they get in, um, because they sure seem like they were, they're, they're good people and so forth, but Brent, is there, is there some, when you enter, when you enter these, I know you don't like it when I get on this road, but I'm going to do it anyway, do these, do these people have to take some sort of a lobotomy before they become a, before you become a legislator or something? I mean, it, you look at the gambling, and they still will tell you it's all for, uh, you know, tourists. There isn't a bigger crack of crap than anything on earth. I mean, everybody who ever has known anything about gambling knows that no matter where you are, except in Vegas in the old days, and everybody just flew in, it's 85% of the, of the money is from your own people, except for maybe Vegas and maybe only Vegas, certainly. Yeah, I'm but other than that, every, every other place, it's your own people. And does anybody, I've, I've known families, friend of Audrey's, that all of a sudden, you know, the, usually it's the guy, but not always. All of a sudden, they become this gambler, and you see people. You know, at the at the uh, uh, what's the place, Mexican place. Uh, I'll, I'll think of it. But they, they've got the three or four things there, and the waitresses make their hundred bucks, and they drop fifty on the way out the door every day. I mean, does anybody realize what, what kind of a problem? I mean, I, I love to gamble, but you know, the idea of flying to Vegas with your thousand bucks in your pocket that you can afford to lose, you probably should don't shouldn't want to. But and then coming back. I never saw any problem with that, but every day these people have to stop and play this video. And they don't know the ads. How many how many people in the city, especially minorities, play the lottery and have no concept of their small chance to win? I mean, just, now, and now we're doing the same thing with this marijuana. Okay, let's just lob it out there. We need the money. How do we know what the repercussions of this are going to be three or four or five years? Is anybody even paying attention? It might it might end up being okay. You know, I'm just. But is anybody even watching? Well, I agree with you on the gambling. I think that there's a lot of repercussions on gambling that uh, have not been fully identified. And I agree with you that most of the gambling issues and most of the gambling winnings for the casinos are for those people who are local. Um, they're, they're at, in, you're right in comparing Chicago to Las Vegas. Chicago is not the destination for gambling. And even if it were a place where people wanted to come to gamble, you really need a critical mass like they had in Vegas or Atlanta City at one time where there's a string of places to entice you in the shows and things. But, um, you know, having a couple of here and there spread around the state is not going to do the same thing. It's just really going to hit the people who are local, which is going to put a bigger drain on social services among the city of Chicago and whatever, wherever the community is that is nearby. I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing so much of a pushback 
from Hopkins and Riley and some of the other, uh, all the people in city council that they don't want them in their backyard. And they don't also trust that the proceeds will go to fund education or the pension plans or anything else because uh, the history of politicians in Chicago, I think the history of politicians generally is no matter what, what the money comes in for, they'll spend it for whatever they want, even in the state of purposes. Think about that Illinois lottery and how all those monies that were raised from the lottery were supposed to go to education, and they weren't. Did you, uh, it was probably before, <clears throat> maybe before we, uh, I met you, actually, was the, uh, way back we had a, you remember Kathy Durbin? She got this guy yeah. on, well, she got a dude on from, uh, he wrote a book essentially against lotteries. And he talked about how, how crooked they are. And, uh, and I, I, I always, you know, my, my, my shtick on the lottery was, when the lotto got over seven mil, you know, just a basic lotto game, we'd get, you know, five people in the office to put in a buck and we go buy five tickets because that particular, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that week they'll pay out more. You've had so many weeks with no winners, it doesn't increase your odds, but it, but they actually, the week somebody wins in, they'll pay out more that week than they took in, right? So, mm-hmm. to some extent, <clears throat> it's a, it's it's a better game, but still, you have the same basically zero chances of winning. Um, but anyway, this guy comes on here and he's talking about how all these other games, the the, the quick scratch or whatever they call them, quick pick, and uh, the ones with the big huge spools when you go in there that aren't the lottery that's three nights a week, yeah. and, and uh, and how you walk in there and inevitably it's it's well every place I go it's always some some usually a minority not always. Buying like twenty and thirty or forty of these things, and uh, and you sit there and go, kind of. I don't think they even realize their, their chances here. Well, this guy says what they do. Say you print a hundred thousand tickets in the, the the Brendan the Brendan Wheel game or something, and there may be three or four winners in there of, of a reasonable number, you know, like twenty grand or something like that. Well, if those numbers come out like in the in the, in the top first ten thousand. They continue to sell the other ninety, knowing that there's no winners left. Mm-hmm. Which is which is bad enough, but also if you get through ninety or eighty thousand of them, and none of the winners have come out yet, they pull the game. And I'm sitting there thinking, you've got to be bleeping me. <laughs> That's that, I mean, I there was a guy in my in my when I used to live at Seventy West here, and they had a. It wasn't a Seven Eleven. I think it was a Copperfield or something. Was, anyway, there was a, a thing downstairs. You get coffee and what do you call those little Seven Eleven kind of joints? Anyway, I'd go there on Saturday morning get coffee before I take my mom to breakfast on the South Side. And there's always this real nice black dude is in there, and he you know he worked the streets at night. He'd, he'd make like twenty bucks. He'd get a quart of Coke, two things of Doritos, and seventeen lottery tickets. And I'm going <laughs> I'm, I'm to say that guy's. His uh, tax rate was higher than any millionaire in the country. What do you think? Yep, yep. <clears throat> and they're selling hope. A lot of people are selling hope. You know, you can't win if you don't play. And oh, yeah. you, it just reels them in. And and it's uh, the idea of a big payout. Well, I mean, that happens all the time at casinos, too. You know, when you're playing the slot machines, and, and every so often it'll hit, and you get uh, a whole bunch of quarters out of the machine. Well, I'm dating myself, all right, with quarters coming out of the machine. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, beauty of those, <clears throat> the beauty of those things were, uh, talk about, I don't know if you're a slot machine girl, Yanni, but <clears throat> the... I don't gamble. You don't gamble, there not you go. Not at all. N- not even with guys? 
No, especially with guys. <laughs> Every time you get a date, it's a gamble, they say. Anyway. <laughs> eh, it's just uh, a free dinner. Free dinner? Well, there you go. <laughs> God. Um, but the nickel slot, I remember when there were nickels. Actually, there were penny slots in some of the gas stations. But if you wanted to, if you wanted to get the big prize in the nickel slot, you had to put in five nickels, right? So the nickel slot is, mm-hmm. is really the quarter slot. And if you wanted to get be eligible for the big prize in the quarter slot, you had to put in five quarters. So that's really a dollar slot. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's sort of ingenious the way they go about doing it. But to, I mean, it's hard even with sports gambling. All, all the all the yeah. all the government cares about is it's a tax. And you think, or I think, or Matty Weber thinks, hey, this is cool. I can bet on the Cubs, and I'm, maybe I'm smarter than the next guy, and maybe I'll win more than the next guy will. But the, the state doesn't care if you win or lose. It's it's just a tax. It's it's just like putting another tax on, on a parking on a parking meter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but there are also people like my mother. After my dad died, my mother started hanging around with a lot of people at, at church in St. Bede. And they had this thing where, and she would go usually like once a month for like five bucks or ten bucks. She'd get a bus ride from St. Bede's out to one of the boats. I think it might have been the one in Joliet. So like for ten dollars, you'd get a bus ride out there and they'd give you a sandwich that you could eat and they'd keep you at the, at the casino for like five hours, six hours. And then they'd drive you back home to the parking lot at St. Bede's. Um, which was great for the casino and you know, a, a good investment, except for people like my mother. My mother would bring somewhere never more than $10 in quarters and nickels. And when she bet, she would go to the slot machine and put one nickel in at a time and pull it. And, and once her, her $5 or $10 was done, she would sit and watch other people in the casino and watch some of her friends. She wouldn't gamble any more than that. That's not the audience that uh, the casinos are after. <laughs> no, but, but, but you want people in there. You want it full. Yeah. So nobody knows with her sitting at the machine that she's not putting in 10, 10 nickels. She's she's occupying a machine. Nothing makes you feel worse when you walk into a place and you're the only person playing. Well, that's right. But then you can pick out, you know that you can pick out the lucky machine that way. You've oh, got yeah. full range and, and you know, your own intuition as to which one's going to hit is full bore. You're not stuck with the last one that nobody wants to sit at. I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that <laughs> knowing you, your mother was not going to bring her, the life savings and spend it at the casino. My mom would go all the time and she'd bring her and she had her money every day and she played poker more than anything else. Some black jack. My mom was really good at poker. So she could she could play there. She'd play every morning with the shills and because uh, nobody would be up at that hour. And, uh, and there'd be four or five shills in my mom. And, and but she'd tell me, you know, Come, some of these people are out here in forever, and they're, they're so dumb. And I go, "What do you mean?" She goes, "One guy sits down to me next to me, and he goes, I don't understand. Every time I look like I want to sit down at the table, one of the ladies gets up, and she says, oh, those are shells. <laughs> they're making it look like there's a game, and, and whenever they get a real player, one of them gets up and leaves.' He goes, "Man, I never even heard of that. <laughs> I mean, how can you? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people. I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, maybe other people don't know what I'm talking about, but." They would, they have, they have casino employees sitting there playing poker to make it look like it's a game, right? And as soon as Brendan mm-hmm. arrives, as soon as one of us walks up and looks around like and there's no empty seats, somebody will make their excuse themselves and they'll get up and go and the dealer will say there's a, there's a, there's a spot open, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how basic does it have to be? Uh, anyway. But Brendan, I, uh, I was beating up. I was, I know, I know, like I said, you, uh, are not as conspiratorial as I am on some of this stuff, but, I am absolutely somewhere between disgusted and impressed 
This baby formula thing. Who the hell wrote this bill that every state has to only have one one favored baby formula company for all the stuff that the government buys? Did you read this thing I say? Uh, you know that that is one of the dumbest things. And you know, <clears throat> I remember when we we talked about the the whole idea that you know which is better, a monopoly or a duopoly, or just having a, a handful of entities or full free market. And the idea that you know we we believe in this country that monopolies are bad. But I think what's worse is just having a handful of suppliers. The the, the really big um, antitrust targets actually. Of those who who provide uh, a, a service or a product like the baby formula, and I and I think we're seeing the result of that right now, both in in allowing so few people to dominate that industry or really any industry for something especially as critical as baby formula. You know, you you can make an argument that if you only have a couple of of car dealerships, uh, to pick one example, just off the top of my head. That's one thing, uh, but when you're talking about something as critical as baby formula or certain types of foods, that that's abhorrent. But it, it's a logical uh, extension of allowing you know, big business to to just conglomerate themselves in in just a handful of producers. Well, the lady who's uh, the current head of the FTC, of course, um, I uh, I'm going to say, Brendan, if I don't want to walk the plank here, but. If we actually looked for the right people, we would find a real lot of qualified ladies, qualified minorities, and we and for the, a lot of these jobs. But when you when you say to say for this job, I'm going to have to have an Irish white guy who runs marathons from the south side, and that's all I'm looking at. Somehow, doesn't it cut the playing field down just a little bit? I who you might pick. Uh, I, I'm not going to go down that road in that show. I think that there are a lot of good people in, uh, in you know, this This is the argument that was given up about Ketanji Brown when she was nominated, when Biden said he was going to uh, nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court, and that was a trope that was put out that you're eliminating the best people because you're limiting it only to black women. And that's that's a false argument. That's a false narrative. Um it, it, because it doesn't overlook the fact that there are qualified people who well, have been deliberately overlooked in the past and would otherwise be Don't disagree. So, my only uh, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not, <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to criticize her picking at all. All, I sh- all I'm criticizing is he shouldn't have said anything. He just picked her. It's qualified at all. That's her argument. Yeah, that, oh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm not at all saying That's her argument that, that he, he, if he didn't say, but, um, but even by saying it, the other argument is false because for so many years, um, women in general, minorities in particular, were deemed not smart enough, and not good enough, and not educated enough to uh, to, to be in that role. And just to say we're going to look primarily at Irish white guys who run marathons from the South Side uh, is you know, if, if there's a pool of them who are good enough for the job, then. Any idea of saying, we're going to pick the best person for this job is another trope, because the best person for the job depends on the perspective oh, of the sure. person doing the choosing. Well, what I'm saying is the lady who's the head of the FTC came out yesterday and said she's going to look at this baby problem thing. Look at it. It's been there for 20 years. She's, she's yeah. going to wake up to the... And I know there were people before her there, but... <laughs> 
she, she should come out with her guns blazing and say, you know, they're, they're, we're, we're going inter- to. But how, but how do you? How does in her position? I'll, I'll be nice to her. In her position, how the hell do you go up there and and read the riot act and what's and what's a law? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, essentially the government gave these people the cartel. So who does she sue? The Senate? Yeah. I mean, is she going to sue the, the House and the Senate? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, no, and that, that's that's legitimate. And you know, when you go when we've talked before, um, and I've heard you talk a lot about before about overregulating the marketplace, that's a prime example uh, of narrowing the focus so that only uh, a handful or one company in a geographical area or in the country can provide a service or a product. Uh, that's definitely overregulating, and these are some of the unintended consequences. Plus. The fact that the, the problem with Sturgis, Michigan, plan of Abbott, uh, where it shut down in February, we're already in June, and yeah. nothing has been done to to restock the supply. Well, actually, so it actually reopened it, last week, it, didn't it? I think it reopened last week. Is what? I think it reopened last week. We got a dance, uh, but you're right. Okay. We get, yeah, it opened, it opened like last Tuesday or something. Brennan, thank you very much. By, by the way, your target's down fourteen forty. That's on nine percent. Ouch! That's a big move. S&P futures down 32 now, NASDAQ futures down 125. Not a, not a good morning so far. Brennan, thank you. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 31 now. NASDAQ Futures down 124. Dow Futures down 239. Big one of the reasons for this. It was down a little bit, but then... Target kind of pre-announced and said they were going to have a profit warning because they had too much inventory. In fact, it was down originally five. Now it's down, down like 15, 14.67. It's almost 10%. Ouch on that. Uh, and it's taken some of the other ones with it. Down Costco's down 15 bucks because I think people don't believe it's, uh, it's the same, uh, I got Walmart down 4.67. So it's a big, big down move in these big retailers this morning. But you'll comment on that in a second. We're in Europe. We've got, Dax, which was doing okay, now is down 161, 1.1%, FTSE down 14, 0.2%, CAC around down 53.8, so the Dax is the big leader there. Uh, Asia, EK is up 28, call that flat. Shanghai up 5, call that flat. Hang Seng down 122.6%. Uh, yesterday, we were up huge in the morning, and then pretty much all day just kept leaking down, leaking down. We finished up, but not much. That was up 2-something. And it closed up 16, so barely up. S&P was up 12 after being up like 45. NASDAQ up 48 after being up well into a couple of hundreds. So not much of an update considering where, where we were earlier. Uh, 10 year 3.02, actually down a basis point, but a big run up yesterday. Bun 1.299, almost 1.3. Uh, Japan 0.25, same spot they always are. Oil, uh, down 39 cents, 118.11. Brent down 48 cents. 119.03. A big news yesterday and continuing today is natural gas up nine cents, 9.41. Uh, super high, just super high. Arbob down six cents, 4.12. So uh, maybe a little relief at the pumps, not much. We had gold up another eight bucks, 18.52. Silver down two cents, 22.07. Uh, copper down five cents, 4.38. And we've got Bitcoin down 1800, back under 30,000 after being over 31 yesterday. 29.500. That continues to be very volatile around that 30,000 number. Eliani, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Thanks so much, uh, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.36 a.m. on June 7th. Uh, let's start with baseball. Diamondbacks lost to the Reds last night, 7-0, with a chance for a comeback tonight at 5.40. 
Cubs will be playing the Orioles tonight at 6.05, and White Sox will play the Dodgers tonight at 7.10. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, pretty gloomy day. Uh, we might have some sun peeking out a little bit later in the afternoon, but otherwise pretty cloudy. A little bit of rain in the evening, currently 57, high of 65, and a low of 55. And Phoenix currently sunny, 82, with a high of 107, and a low of 80. Looking at traffic in Chicago, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 and 94 construction intersect. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence, westbound between Lawrence and West Higgins. We have traffic eastbound on 94 between West Division and Canal Port with an accident at the Stevenson exit ramp, otherwise known as exit 53B. We have traffic westbound on 94 between East 130th and West North Avenue. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and the 94 East Ramp. And finally, traffic northbound on 55 between West 119th and the 94 East Exit Ramp. Back to you, Chief. Do we have Mr. Joel? Good morning, Chief. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So uh, for the first time, it, it feels good to be old? Just saying. I've not found you. 85%... 85% uh, Efficiency of the old smallpox vaccine that we both had against monkeypox, I read. I did not hear that. I did not hear that. That's good information. Yeah, but now, you know, they stopped giving smallpox vaccines in 1972. I would never have guessed that. I would have thought it was way later, but boy, it shows you how little I know. So you and I are okay. Eliani, better be careful. I got vaccinated <laughs> just recently. The smallpox? Uh, yeah. The monkeypox. It wasn't something that I was real, uh, real no. concerned about. No. <laughs> Just <laughs> letting you know, that it's, it, for the first time, it's good to be old. I'm reading this thing, and they go, so somebody has asked the question, by the way, does your old, the really old smallpox vaccination still work? And the guy goes, yeah, like 85% efficiency. Well, really, that must have been a hell of a vaccine, whatever it was. So what's up, Joe? What do you make of this uh, carnage in these retailers? Not much. Not much, Chief. The, uh, I like the comment you made uh, just at the top there about the market yesterday. Wasn't wasn't that one of the weakest updates in the market you've ever seen? I mean, it was you just can't hold the games, and then you see what's going on today. Um, I mean, until I think everyone's just kind of holding their breath until Friday. Uh, we're going to get the CPI data, and. Um, Hopefully you see a little downtrick in that. I, um, I'm not so optimistic. I'm doing the eyeball test when I, when I drive around and I see oil at, uh, <laughs> not oil, well, obviously oil is 120, but when I see the gas, I, I went, to, I went to run an errand the other day. I think I went by my local gas station and it was like 512. And then on my way back and they were like changing the sign to make it 516. So it was, uh, it's a fast market, so hard to be optimistic about the market, Chief. What, um, just out of your memory, which is a, which is a good one, we hit <laughs> we, we hit 120 on oil during the first Iraq war. I remember being in the OEX pit and seeing oil hit 120, and we were kind of trading against the oil futures at that time. Uh, I don't, I'm thinking gas got to maybe four bucks, maybe not even that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this is actually the first time in the history of uh, a country uh, that every state sold the four bucks a gallon. Yeah, and, we, and oil's been here before. I, something something crazy's happened. I'm sure there's summer blend issues and maybe some people yeah. taking advantage. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I mean, people, what do you I mean? It's it, but the R Bob. I mean, uh, 
Our Bob is up over no. four, so it's not like it's not like the wholesale price isn't there, right? What's the normal spread between our Bob and like your your gas station? It's like what seventy cents or eighty cents? It's not much more than that, no? Yeah, yeah, I'm not 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 familiar with all those spreads, but uh, I, yeah, I got a big old tank, a big old car, and uh, I tell you, I um, haven't been driving downtown that much, and. Uh, Saving myself a ton of money, that's for sure. I mean, um, yeah, it's going to put the pinch. You know, some consumers, it's going to put the pinch on much more than other consumers. So, well, what's up? Um, you know, in the news out with Target today is not no. good. What, so do you, what do you make of I that? Try to be, I, I try to be, I try to be optimistic, but just uh, with everything's been going on the last couple of days, it, uh, it makes it hard. You know, Joel, the more you dig into this stuff, and you and I dig in pretty good on Tuesday mornings, but the more you dig into it, it's really hard to be optimistic. I must have listened to these guys for four hours yesterday on CNBC t- basically talking the market up, and, uh, and they're talking the CPI number down. And I'm, How can th- that many intelligent people sit around a table for five hours where they think the, the, you know, the, the uh, inflation has peaked and this and that, and we're going to get a little downtick and it's going to all is going to be good and everything's going back to their old prices. Joe, you look at last week, Case Shore comes out and says last year the price of houses is up 21% nationwide and the mortgage rates are up 40%. And yet you look at the CPI and it tells you that the uh, pr- cost of home ownership, the owner's equivalent rent is up 5%. I mean, are, are, we, are we morons? What, what are we trying to? What are we trying to tell ourselves? Are we, are we trying to? Are we trying to look outside and say it's really night out when you can see the sun? I mean, what are we doing? Well, you know, chief, uh, you know, negativity doesn't sell. Well, I guess, but but I mean, and, uh, that you know, they wanna they wanna pump crypto when crypto's moving. I mean, just think back, and you know, no one will ever talk about this. But think about during that AMC run, and it, uh, yeah, they stooped to the level of having uh, one of these apes on the show and talking about, you know, how they should run the, you know, how the company should be run. Um, so their level of content, I mean, and it's not only them, but uh, really the only place you get like a two-sided opinion is... Uh, is on pre-market prep, and that's the show I do from eight to nine. I mean, there you go. We uh, we look at both sides of the market. You know, we're bullish when we need to be bullish, and bearish when we need to be bearish. And it's uh, you really have to present. And I, I know you do a good job of presenting both sides of the market. A lot of things that we've been talking about for a long time since we've been together have come to fruition, and um, it's just a very tough investing environment. <laughs> and, and by the fact that you know. You know, painting it with a white brush doesn't do anyone any favors. Well, what do you What do you digging through the target? I mean, I heard the announcement was, was don't, just when I came in. What do, What exactly are they saying? They're They're overloaded with inventory from like the winter or the spring stuff, or they don't have room for the. I mean, I mean, what was What was the exact story? You know what? I I just I saw I saw the headline, and then I went to look at the price action. So what I, what, it, what I would say is. Uh, they get rid of all the crap that they had from the winter, and now they got the school stuff coming in. They got nowhere to put it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yep. I, because I, it's not like uh, when you and I were younger. There, there always was a a, uh, a back warehouse attached to the store where they had all the stuff. But now everything's pretty much out in one of these stores, isn't it? There's, there's no, there's no back room. I don't really. 
know, there's, uh, I mean, there, you know, there's some places behind. I mean, uh, you know, it's just, it's just poor. I mean, it, it, it's hard to believe that these big companies, you know, with, uh, you know, the recent, you know, the pandemic and people in the reopening trade, uh, didn't do better with their inventories. And that, once again, Target is sinking the market. Now you just have to wait for these other retailers to come out and say things. I mean, that's, that's the problem. It's just, it's just a snowball effect. It just is not going to be one company coming out with these kind of problems. So, um, not a, like I said, Chief, it's, it's hard to be positive right now, but I'm hoping for a good CPI number. Yeah, uh, I, on Friday. I actually, I actually believe that the inflation numbers have peaked, but if we were, if we were counting them properly, I think they would have peaked, but they would have peaked at like 16 or 17. <laughs> and, and, and are now coming down. Well, I mean, the one month we were up what one point three, one point three times twelve is fifteen point six, right? We never, but they keep going with this year, this year trailing number, which doesn't tell anybody anything, really. I don't think, but I, mean, if, I think if they actually were, were doing it correctly, Joel, then we have peaked. Which I don't know if that's bullish or bearish, but it's even even the glass still going up. Um, yeah, because I mean, I'm talking about the money supply has actually turned. Where it's flattened out, the Fed has actually stopped putting money into the system to a twenty yeah. degree. Which uh, it's the first time they've done that, and, and money supply only grew what on a three percent rate last month. It's the first time I've seen that in years. And, and the Fed yeah. balance sheet has actually turned down a little bit, so they're actually actually moving moving to to fight this a little bit. Well, they're, they're fighting with. Oh, no, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what um, I mean, I think you know, once again. Uh, Go to the the optimistic, you know, things. If uh, if they come out with a little bit, you know, benign, uh, you know, a little bit better on the CPI, um, then you can, you know, you'll go with the half, you know, at the next meeting, and then perhaps they'll talk about um, a quarter in September. And I think that that will be, you know, that you know, you always hear the Fed chatter and the Fed has coming out with different things and different angles. So I think that that would be. I would, you know, that could be a, you know, a positive thing uh, to work, you know, to to look forward to. But when a big retailer issues weak quarterly margin for, for, forecast for the second time in less than a month, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I said, hard to be optimistic. Well, I mean, your targets, your Costco's, and Walmart—that kind of says it all. I mean, I mean, what, <laughs> I mean really? I mean, they got to be what percentage of retailing? Um, it's got to be a huge number. Yeah. Joel, take care of yourself, buddy. Yeah. SP Futures uh, okay, down 32, Nancy Futures down 129, 129. Be right back, Mr. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, no fake stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Eliani on the board, SP futures down on 32, Nasdaq futures down 129. Big news in the morning is Target coming out and pre, pre-warning on some inventory issues, and they're down 1470, that's over 9%. It's taken Costco down 15 bucks, that's 3%, and, and Walmart, uh, where the hell's Walmart? Down 437, down 3.5% with them. Uh, Kenny, did you, uh, get your puts last night in, uh, Target? <laughs> it's so funny you say that, because I was in Target last night, I didn't see I did not see the inventory problems that they're talking about that they're talking about today. Um, but one or the other, I'm not necessarily surprised. I don't think anyone can be surprised considering where this conversation has been going over the last couple of weeks, warnings that we've had from other, uh, some other companies and just the discussion about kind of this general slowdown in the economy. So people shouldn't be surprised. I think the overreaction in stocks is uh, going to happen just because we're in a nervous environment. So stocks will overreact um, initially, and then I think they'll recover. What um, I'm curious, I, I don't know much about, you know, their their, their model, let's put it that way. I, I, uh, how, if they have an inventory problem, they, they show up with the truck. This is different than when I used to work in a food store. They show up with the truck, they bring everything out into the store. Yeah. So if there if there's a bulge in the inventory, where is it? Is it the distribution center? Is it back when they bought it somewhere? I mean, it, it isn't really. It's never. In, it's not in the store itself that it doesn't appear to be. I mean, does it? Well, I mean, you know, the store's also a different thing because I because I agree. When I worked in the food, when I worked at uh, at the First National back in high school, the food would come in and we'd put it right on the shelves. You're exactly right. I think t- today it's a little bit different. The stores are much bigger, so there's more inventory that's kind of in the back room, right, in the back, uh, in the back room. I went to buy a TV, you know, two weeks ago, and they didn't have one on the floor. The guy said, let me just go in the back and see if it's back there. And, in fact, there were six of them back there, he said. So he brought one out, and there it was, right? So I do think that some of the stores today, if you look at the Targets or you look at the TJ Maxx's or the Best Buys and all that stuff, the stores are bigger, and there is more room to hold inventory, and I think that's maybe what, you know, you know what people don't necessarily see. Okay. It's a uh, – mean, what – is it uh, their P/E ratio that I've got here? It's June sixth. It's down to uh, thirteen and a half, which 
Um, and if the profits are going to sneak down, of course, I don't know if that's high or low, but for a retailer of that magnitude, it doesn't seem, doesn't seem too yeah. high. I mean, it seems, seems pretty fairly priced there if, if they continue. And that's, that's why I think the, the initial reaction is going to be an overreaction because I do think that the stocks have come in and they are fairly priced, uh, based on historical levels, but, you know, we're in this place where the Fed's about to make a move, uh, both not only on interest rates, but on the Fed tightening, which is also going to be a de facto move on interest rates. Um, and no one really understands what that's going to look like. So I think there's, you know, whenever there's a warning like this, the first reaction is, you know, sell first, shoot first, and ask questions later, right? That's always the reaction. And we, what we see is we see that initial down, down, you know, that, 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 that thrust downward. And then as they talk about it, then it, it balances and it kind of levels off. Depending on, I guess, the extent to which we hear other retailers now singing that same tune is going to dictate uh, maybe the move that investors decide to make broadly. Well, I also, uh, I, I don't, I mean, I, I've, one, of the, one of the things one of the, I've been, well, I've been ranging about for 15 years is that you got to be careful when you have inflation because one of the problems with it is you don't you can never figure out where exactly you are, right? <laughs> because the 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 overwhelming price increases hide they can totally hide a, a drop in actual business. So Correct. I mean, so I mean, I would say that even a Costco or a Target, their numbers are going to look okay. I mean, what what is God? Costco's gas sales have to triple for God's sake, right? In the last, yep. not that much, but maybe doubled. And what do you do with that? It's, there's there's no more gas. It's just and some of the other stuff, some of the food stuffs, some of those kinds of things are to the moon. I mean, any, anything you do in a way, God help you in your, in your landscaping section to price a fertilizer. Hell, they want, they want six bucks for a bag of dirt for God's sake. I mean, it's like, I mean, I mean it, you know, I'm saying it, it's hard to, to get some kind of a, it's hard for us because they're not willing to tell us how, 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 what they're actually doing. But at the end of the day, they know. They, they know, wait right. a minute, we just, our, our sales are up, you know, 10% from last year, but, man, our prices are up 20. We're not doing so hot because this is going to end soon. Um, and, right. I mean, only they really know that, and they're, they're pretty stingy on giving us that news, I think. Well, I, I think they're pretty stingy on giving us the news because they don't want to necessarily see the reaction that we're going to see. They don't want to see the stock collapse by 5 or 8% or, you know, more if, if they give you all the complete news. I think what they're trying to do, quite honestly, is manage their way through it, Right. Hoping that, you know, this stuff ain't any worse than this and then they can massage it as we move through the quarter and they can talk about trends and all that stuff versus just saying today creating panic. I think they're trying much more to, to control the narrative. Which, you know, you can argue both ways. Is that right or is that wrong? I mean, you know, I don't really run their business, so I don't necessarily know what their, you know, what the future looks like for them. So I'm, I'm trusting that. They're giving you the information that makes sense because, you know, maybe they see other trends that we don't see yet, or maybe they're not sure about which way the economy's going. Is it going to get worse? If it is, then the news is going to get worse. And if the economy stabilizes the other way, you know, a lot of economists are telling us, and Fed Powell, uh, Jay Powell and other Fed people say, oh, don't worry about the economy strong. I, I agree with you. I think that's baloney. I don't think the economy is nearly as strong as they say it is, and I do think it's going to, there's going to be more pressure downward. But I'm also not trying to light the place on fire, right? I'm trying to just, I'm trying to play within the, Within the guardrails. No, but that, that's that's the part that I mean, having seen a few of these recessionary areas before, I can't. You, when you start to go there, you you never can. You know, it's like hopping in the pond. You don't know how deep it is the first time you're in, right? right? It's like, right. I mean, I mean <laughs> you know, I just I, one of the ladies who, uh, good friend, um, 
she bought, bought a new car. I think I, I think I think it might be a Hyundai, one of the nice SUVs or or Hyundai, I'm not sure, whatever the hell it was. But began with an H. Uh, um, so she says, "Boy, you know, they gave me." And she tr- she traded in one that's three years old and bought a new one. Yeah. And uh, she goes, "Well, they only gave me like thirty grand for my old car." And I'm going, "They did what?" So you know, well, so because you've seen what's going on with with used car prices, even cars coming off leases, people are better off buying it off lease and then selling it themselves because all the deal is going to do is take it off your hands and then jack oh, the price up oh, and try to sell it. Absolutely, but if you've got a price in your lease, which you normally do, you're better off buying. But I'm saying, I, I go, no doubt about yeah, it. Oh yeah. So I said to her, well, you know, but what's the net? You know, because of course I'm I'm totally anal if I buy a car. I want the price that are new in it, and when we're all done with that, tell me what you're going to give me for mine cash. Don't give me this combo crap. Right. You know, you know, right. Right, or, right. I don't know if I'm. And she says, "Well, I, had, I paid like list for the other one." And I go, "Well, what's the list?" Well, it was sixty-seven, sixty-seven. So the net is thirty-seven, right? And I'm thinking that's a huge number for a three-year-old car for a new car when she's only got like sixty thousand miles or seventy thousand one she's got. Thirty-seven grand to trade up. I mean, I, I, I'd love to see. I mean, so okay, wh- whatever brand this is, that that new car at sixty-seven has to be what? It has to be twenty grand more than it was two years ago. It has to be easily, tw- easily twenty grand more than yeah. it was two years ago. No doubt about. It. I'd be surprised if it wasn't more than twenty grand more. Yeah, it might be. So what? So what is that? When when you when General Motors or somebody prints their sales this year. Are they going to give us the units? Uh, I'll bet the sales are probably up and units have to be way down. Well, that's not helping anybody, is it? No, it's not. It's not helping anybody, but you're going to find that information out as you, you know, as we move through this, right? You'll find out what the units are versus the sales and you'll be able to figure that out. Well, yeah. But, yeah. Go ahead. Are you there? What? No, yeah, I'm here. I'm saying, what? so what, uh, yeah, those guys are actually a little more forthcoming, but it's hard to get that information out of out of other places. I mean, it's hard to get it out of Jewel or, or Kroger. I mean, because it, it's not as it's not as obvious that you know right. I, you know that sales were up ten percent last week, but we actually you know sold less pop and meat. Right. We sold le- we sold less because sales are up because prices went up, but not because we sold more. You're absolutely right, and that's going to be that's also going to be part of the story as we go through. You know, now as we're coming down into uh, the end of the quarter, and earnings are going to start a month from now. Once again, we're going to go through the earnings. You know, beauty pageant. You can already see how um, how um, uh, the, the estimates are starting to come down, and the revisions are starting to happen as they should, because we're getting closer to the we're getting closer to the time. Um, but I think that's going to that's going to continue to cause angst in the market, right? Which is why I think the path of least resistance is still lower. It doesn't mean it's going to collapse, but I do think we're going to test lower again. Yeah, I think we might too. I don't. Uh, what, what do you think? Last question. What do you? What do you make of oil? Are we, are, I get this weird feeling it might be kind of topping here, or it might just be. In- I don't think oil is topping at all. Look, really? I mean, okay. here's the problem. They, everyone's now screaming. You got the Democrats now even screaming about energy independence. We need to be independent. We can't be. De- you know, look, you, you've destroyed the industry. Why would any oil and gas company want to spend billions of dollars finding and refining and pumping new oil and refining it and all that when you're trying to put them out of business? Because you've all but said that. So how are they going to invest all these billions of dollars which they have to amortize over a 30-year period when they don't expect to be around in 30 years, never mind, you know, 10 years, never mind 30 years because of the way the speak is, right? And so, therefore, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot 
a whole lot more online because a lot of these companies are also trying to convert to clean energy, and that's a positive thing, but clean energy is probably you know, two decades away from really solving any real problems in this country, right? Well, I, you know, so I, we're in a quandary. So I think oil goes higher. I think energy goes higher. But you know, they're actually. Remember when uh, when the oil went down to twenty eight or thirty dollars a barrel, and your, your buddy, uh, I think he might be your buddy, guy Sully, who does the thing on CNBC. Yeah, he would always yeah. be giving the rig counts, and yeah. uh, and they were going down. You know, twenty thirty a month because all of a sudden yeah. oil was so cheap, and everybody was abandoning the rigs. We've been actually popping back up at about as fast a pace as we sort of ever have done. Yeah, I mean, we just we, we were down so low. But you know, there's a thing I, th- I thought I want to send it to you, Kenny. It's, it's a history of rig counts going back to God's sake, 1973. This is like yep. the, this is like the fourth or fifth time where we've had real low prices, and everybody all everybody dumped all their rigs, and all of a sudden the prices went up because there wasn't enough. This industry's kind of always been like that, you know. I mean, it's, it's always sure, it's, it's not an easy to maneuver, right? It takes lots of money and time and effort to bring the rigs up online and then to take them down and to bring them up again. It takes a lot of effort. You can't just flip the switch. But, I mean, I, I agree with you about the administration sending out the amazingly mixed signals toward the industry's future, maybe not even mixed. Right. But, but in fact, in the last eight or nine months, we're, we're creeping up on his rig count about as fast as we ever have. We just was so damn low. Right, and so... So that's okay. Because yeah. We're so, oh, you know, rigs coming back online, the ones that they shut down, some of those coming back online does make sense. But to expect that they're going to start to create new wells and new infrastructure and new refineries, I think that's a pipe dream because I agree. why would you do that in the face of everyone saying, oh, you're out, we don't want fossil fuels, you know, it's all about wind, solar, and power, uh, wind, solar, and water. Well, we were down to 250 in June of 2020, and we're back up to 662, so there has been some movement. Yeah. All right, we got a dash. We got a dash, Kenny. You take care of yourself, buddy. Right. I am going to try your meatball recipe. I like that. <laughs> take care, bud. SP Futures down 33. Dan's Futures down 141. Be right back. Professor Helsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord Wolf, it's Stocks and Jocks. Tomorrow, she's Eliani on the board, SP Futures. Now 35 now. Their futures down 140. We've been getting beat up here. We were down when we came in, but then we we really started to uh, uh, hit the hit the skids here when uh, Target warned. We're actually off their lows here a little bit. They were down 15. They're now only down 13.50. But they've taken Costco down 14 dollars as well. But that, that's not as much percentage wise. That's three percent. We're in Target. It's it's well, it's pushing nine. It's also got Walmart uh, hitting the skids as well, down 387. It's three percent there. So. Every let me see what the Amazon's. The Amazon's down three bucks. But this is after they split twenty for one yesterday. So, and they ran up on that news very nicely. And then all of a sudden today they're heading kind of back south again here. So, a uh, lot of a lot of changes today here so far from what, from yesterday's market, which was up virtually the entire day. And then all of a sudden it just kept trying to leak down, kept trying to leak down, and it and it just just made it to the upside at three o'clock, where it just was. It was about as crummy looking up day as I've seen like in a long time. But uh, anyway, do we have Professor Hell? You know, we'll get him back in a sec. We just and uh, other stocks in the Dow. We only got two in the green. I've got Disney up twenty seven cents, and Chevron Texaco up seven cents, which is trading uh, one seventy six ninety. It's got to be a high for that thing. But everybody else is down. Apple's down two nineteen. Uh, Boeing's down one seventy four. Three M's down one twenty one. Uh, Home Depot, it's it's same same thing, although not as bad. Down forty nine, that's one point six percent. Even the banks are down. J P Morgan down down a buck. Microsoft down two forty. Like I said it's pretty much down across the board. Even though yesterday we were we were uh, let me give the yesterday's totals here. We we got them back. Hal, you with us? I, I had this new headset and I uh, went to pump pump up the volume and I ended up uh, dropping the line. Oh, God. Get one of those triplets up there to teach you how to use this thing. <laughs> oh, they're, they're asleep right now. It's 6 o'clock here. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be happy to help Dad get his new headset working, you know. Just saying. <laughs> well, they probably, they that. probably know how to work it better than I do. Well, probably. So how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I was ordering my interview report for my uh, uh, for Westminster College yesterday. 
So you're you're in. That's all the work I'm doing this summer. Really? So what? Uh, you're not doing anything. You're not teaching. No, I, I'm uh, taking the whole summer off. I need to. I need to have a break. I haven't done anything for at least three weeks since finals finished. And right now, I'm coaching my kids' basketball teams and uh, taking them swimming every day. And I'm just taking a break from the the news world. I mean, I can't. I can't handle it. It's just seems like every day it just gets worse. Well, I know. I was uh, last night. I didn't really have any. St- I stopped for my, my truck is in the, in, the, in the shop, so I stopped for an adult beverage. Everybody does a as I try to talk somebody to taking me home at an Uber. <laughs> I really Uber that. <laughs> uh, anyway, I had an Uber this morning. It was it was really nice. I got to say, the guy was there in two minutes, and he was a nice guy, and you know, we had a nice conversation. The guy was a he came to he's been in this country five years. He was a mechanic on big diesel trucks, and he says he hated it. Real tough work. He likes driving Uber better. Um, well, uh, whenever whenever I take Uber in Utah, or a taxi, I'm always amazed by the conversations I have with the people driving. Yeah, like in Utah, for example, there's a lot of people who drive Uber or taxis who are from like Afghanistan, that part of the world. And I ask them why they chose Utah. And they goes, "Well, they always tell me that it's a lot like Afghanistan, and they culturally and geographically." Which makes sense to me, right? Because Utah, I think we have about three kids per female in the state, and the national average is like point nine. So you're saying there's a connection? So it's really family friendly state. There's a similarity between the Taliban and the Mormons. Is that what you're telling me? Oh uh, well, <laughs> can't, you can't really say all Afghanistan people are Taliban. It's no, like no, saying no, all no. German people are Nazis, oh, right? No, I agree. Well, I agree. It's all Chinese people are communist party members, right? I. Uh, <laughs> I, I uh, this guy was uh, very well educated. You know what? I used to back back in the day. Um, I always used to like going to New York because, for whatever reason, you know, the cab drivers in Chicago, you know, a lot of them were were somewhat accomplished guys and everything. But it seemed like it was even more of a career in New York. Like you, you could have a career as a, as a taxi driver, you know, for like forty years. Oh yeah. Well, all the restrictions, the limitations. I mean, all that stuff does drive up the price, which in this case would be the wage. So I, I can totally understand that. And it's kind of why my mother-in-law was telling me how you should have uh, picked uh, a career in nursing because you could make ten dollars or $50,000 a year doing that. And I'm like, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, all these rules and restrictions, all they do is they raise the price up along, uh, given the demand curve oh, yeah. for the product and the service, right? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the baby formula stuff, but I want to tell you this one guy I pile in, it's this older black dude, big guy, and I, I said, uh, how long have you been driving? He goes, well, I'm, I'm sort of technically retired, but uh, I still come in a couple days a week. And I go, okay, you know, uh, it sounds cool. And he goes, yeah, you know, as much as, as much as the wife says she wants you around, she really doesn't want you 24-7, so... <laughs> I, I, Unless you have young children, then she wants you around all the time to take them out of the house, right? Well, that's, you know, so a couple days a week, I come down, I enjoy doing it, make a few bucks. She's happy, I'm happy, everything's everything's cool. So then he says to me, yeah. he goes, you're from Chicago, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, do you know who the first citizen of Chicago was? And I go, sure. It was an African-American dude from France named, uh, uh, what's his first name? DuSable is his last name. We just renamed Lake Shore Drive for uh, DuSable. He was the first guy to put up a, a, there were, you know, explorers through here, but he was a, 
first guy to actually say this is my home. He goes, you know, the first person in Chicago has ever answered that question right. So we ended up a long conversation. Wow. Turns out the guy. Well, half ball cowboys, half ball cowboys were uh, African American. Oh yeah. In Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he says he he starts showing me pictures of his kids. Well, one of the kids is is uh, the daughter went to one Ivy League school and was the uh, was the uh, um, what do you call it? who gives a speech at the end of the. Uh, valedictorian. She was a valedictorian from like yeah. Yale Law School or someplace. I mean, wow! And the, and, the, and the one son, it was a surgeon in the army, uh, and the other kid was in uh, just coming out of the University of Chicago, looking to get into med school, and they were you know they're trying to get into some schools and the you know they're trying to get him a loan and all this stuff. And he said, "No, his other two kids says screw it, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for the young guy's education. We don't want any loans." So they they, they ponied up the dough to pay for. The uh, third kid's medical school. I'm sorry, wow. God, what an unbelievable yeah. family! I mean, this guy, I don't know if there if there if there's a there's a star for a father. This guy needs four stars or something. I mean, how do you do that when you're yeah. a cab driver? Uh, but well, you know, uh, working two days a week that creates scarcity, and that drives up the value of that husband's services to the wife, right? Because <laughs> that's what scarcity does, right? I, I, <laughs> I, I guess you could look at it that way, hopefully. <laughs> hey, whenever really, things are scarce, things are more highly valued, right? You're saying she's... Generally speaking. She she likes him more on a Wednesday because he wasn't there on a Tuesday? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like to think that anyway. God. Hey, I was looking at this... Uh, I was thinking of you, as we've been talking all week, and I don't want to go over it too much because we've, we've gone over it a couple times. But I just want your your opinion on this. I didn't. I had no idea that this baby food thing was a, was a government made cartel. Oh yeah. Yep. I can't. I mean, I, I, the thought. What manner of moron voted for this bill in 1989? That there's only well, one of the yeah. One of the biggest ingredients of baby formula is milk, right? And milk has always been heavily regulated by the state or the federal government. I don't know if you remember this, but in the 1980s, milk, milk price support programs are so, such a problem that the federal government had a hard time dealing with all this dehydrated milk that it had built up in the storage facilities throughout the United States. And it wanted to keep filling it to keep the price of milk artificially high because it imposed a price floor on it, right? It didn't want the, pri- the price of milk to go any lower. So, what the federal government did is one of the things it did is it um, tried to give away the milk for free. And I think it was trying to give away it for free in South America. And what that did is it created famine. Because if you're a local person in South America and you need milk, who are you going to buy it from? you going to buy it from the United States government for free? Or are you going to buy it from the local dairy farmer? So the local dairy farmer has no income. They end up slaughtering the animals that they produce milk with, which says what to the the meat industry. Well, screws those Destroys guys. Destroys it, right? Yeah. yeah. And then that that failed. So the next thing they did is they decided to milk, they decided to mix in the dehydrated milk into the uh, the fresh milk supply because they were figuring that people like thick milk. Well, people like thick milk. The market would have provided it, right? So that was an abject failure. Then they decided to kill cows. So they would pay dairy farmers money to take dairy cows out of production. What is a smart dairy farmer going to do? Are they going to eliminate 
they're productive cows or are they going to eliminate the cows that are no longer producing? Well, all it did is it just encouraged them to uh, butcher the dairy cows that were not being very productive anymore and it had no effect on supply. And it ended up costing a million dollars roughly per cow. That was only worth about a thousand dollars. So then what did the government decide to do? It decided just to dump all this into the ocean. Yeah, they, they dumped it. So there's a long history of intervention in and dairy. And this is just one example of it. I don't I guess uh you know, I was fortunate, I think, or, or unfortunate, because now I look at this stuff and it bothers me, but I was fortunate to go to a, pl- a place where the economic, two places, where the economic education always was, and I, I'm guessing, I'll never be in one of your class, I'd love to go to your class armed with, like, some tomatoes and stuff, but, um, or a squirrel. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, like, my sister, um, I, I can guarantee you that. They already, they're, they're with you, they're throwing them at me. Okay. <laughs> but, but one of the things that I think you always try and, it's not... Economics is uh, why, why I find it so fascinating. It's 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 not like calculus where there's an answer, right? I mean, if, if yeah. you do it this, if you do it right, this is what you come out with, it's like addition. Hey, All so much students, the answer is the answer begins with it depends, and it's not depends undergarments. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's an interesting thought. The uh, but you, you the, the class, especially when you got to grad school, where you got to the, the high end dudes. I mean, the class always was, here's a policy decision, you know, follow this short-term, long-term, what it's going to do, ripple it through the rest of society, what is, what is, what is this decision going to do? They always they used to say a stock and flow analysis. You know, initially, what's it going to do? What's it going to do going down? You wonder, with everybody learning this stuff, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that know economics better than me, I'm sure, and I don't... Don't we have any of them in Washington? I mean, no, no man can do one thing. Okay, we're going to have, we're going to have casinos. All right, now what's every other state's uh, experience with how many problem gamblers you're going to have? What are you going to do with them? How many families are going to be broken up? Where's the money actually going to come from? Who's going to show up? People can afford it. People can't afford it. I mean, there's there's got to be studies on everything all over the place. If anybody dares to read them, yet I don't see any anybody looking forward at any of this crap. I mean, when, when what? Go ahead. The problem with the education of PhD candidates is that we view people as representative consumers or representative farms, right? We kind of homogenize them, and they're not homogenized at all. They're very different, right? And so when I teach an economics class like I did at Sutler College, it's a Mennonite school in uh, Boston, small Mennonite school, and I did it online this last semester, that's why I'm so burnt out because I was doing that at Mercy College and I was doing that at Sattler plus Westminster. Okay. Um, but the way I, way I teach government intervention is when you subsidize something or, or say you tax something, right? What happens is you eliminate, there's this deadweight loss, right? And the deadweight loss is the lost value of consumer and producer surplus that results from a government intervention. And because we have homogenized the players in the market, we don't really understand what the consequences of government policy are. So when you, when you tax something, what ends up happening is the people that are involved in that deadweight loss are the people who are at the margin, the, the middle income earner, 
they are eliminated from consuming in that market. On the supply side, you eliminate the marginal farm, the, the boutique farm. And the only people that remain in the market are the big, low-cost incumbent firms that are least likely to engage in, without the competition, uh, innovation. So these market interventions eliminate the marginal farms and the marginal consumers, and the only people left in the market are people who can afford the higher prices that result from the intervention. They're the, they're the ones that can afford the bribe if it's a rent control, right? Like in that Seinfeld episode. Yep. But Lane couldn't afford the apartment because she didn't have the bribe, right? Jerry was convinced by Kramer to give Elaine the bribe, right? So the only people that are left in the market are the people who, can, who have the means to afford it, right? And you, you eliminate all those marginal farms. So I'm gonna push- and that's the problem with graduate-level education. So I'm going I'm to problem with... Uh- I'll push back a little bit on what you just said. Not not because I'm, I'm with you 90%, but I think we've reached the point, um, and, you, and you probably didn't disagree with this, but we've reached the point where it's not necessarily the, mo- the biggest, most efficient firm that takes people out. It's actually the very it's, it's a very inefficient firm. It's a firm that is willing to spend 20% of their crap on, on marketing and lobbyists and are actually very inefficient. We look at the total number. That they, that they well, but I would, I'd argue that they're inefficient because we've lost that market discipline. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's kind right. of a chicken and egg kind of thing, yeah. right? Well, I mean, it's that chicken and egg kind of thing. Well, the million dollars I pay to a lobbyist is not efficient. Yeah. Right. I mean, so that's a result. But that's yeah. a result of years and years and years of these interventions, right? It, you, you create these monopoly situations, and the. The firms that remain, the lucky firms that remain, the ones that are cronied up with politicians, yeah. it's called rent sinking, and they have this additional surplus that they've taken from the consumer, and they're willing to spend that up to that amount to keep those protections in place. So they, they buy congresspeople and senators, you know, steak dinners, and they build them decks on their Alaska properties, right? So they're using that, that newfound consumer surplus that they've been able to take from the consumer, and they spend up to that to keep those market protections in place. And that's why they're inefficient. They're yeah. not disciplined by the market. How would you describe, you know, because this was an industry that it's, it's recent enough in memory uh, for everybody, I think, to know what I'm talking about. Uh, let, let's say the, the the helping pills for the old guys, right? Uh, your Viagra, the, I know the helping... Guys. The helping pills for the old guys? Well, have the Viagras and the Cialis and those kinds of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. But, but it was, it, to me, it's a, it's a fascinating industry because the amount of money, they, they all got, I know, I know the Viagra did, they got a 17-year patent, right? And the, somehow or another, they paid their way to get a two-year extension. And this, this, is, this is down to where you say this is how, how competition comes in, but it doesn't, doesn't help the consumer. The, I think the pills in those days, from what I would read, were like fifty bucks a pop, uh, literally. <laughs> the uh, um, and and everybody knew they're really worth like four, if, if that. Yet the last two or three years, and you could see the change, even if you don't even know what this stuff is, you, you definitely would see the change because they were the, one of the biggest advertisers in NFL and on CNBC, where obviously the CNBC's crowd is older. 
I think they were fi- between them and Cialis. Levitra never did much, but Cialis was you know, the, the, the guys in the tub, the, the two people in the tubs, and the, the, I remember the Viagra because the lady had the greatest set of luggage I've ever seen. Going with the, anyway, so they, uh, I think it was fifty million bucks a year to the NFL. That the minute they went off patent, they both shut off. Well, all that money. I mean, they must have, that fifty million probably was way more than it cost to develop the thing in the first place, nineteen or twenty years ago. I mean, the the, the word efficiency, I don't know. It almost seems to be like sub definitions of it, doesn't there? I mean, it, that's not efficient as you and I would declare it. Oh, no, I don't think it's efficient. Yeah. No, I mean, what, I wouldn't even describe it. I, you're efficient, and that you've got a set price that nobody can undercut you. So you're going to spend all the incredible amount of profit that you're making on it to make sure that you extend your ability to have the price by two years, which has to has to have made those guys a billion dollars. And oh, by the way, you're going to be all over the TV and everything, saying how you got to grab some of this stuff at fifty bucks a throw. I mean, I don't know, I don't know well, what that is, but it's certainly not efficient like you and I would describe it. Yeah, well, I think. We got to be really careful with the word efficiency because when most people hear the word efficiency, they think of a, a production process, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when economists talk about efficiency, what we're talking about is zero intervention by government, creating a pretty optimal outcome, the competitive equilibrium. Right. And so, in economics, there are the people who want equity, and then the people on the other side who want efficiency. And when economists talk about wanting efficiency, all we want is the government to intervene, which would uh, create a competitive industry, which pulls down prices, which generates uh, innovation, and it, it, it opens up for disruptive activities that create new and better products. On the other side, you have the equity argument, and... People who advocate for equity are saying, well, poor people can't afford this product or service. And as a result, government needs to step in to maybe, say, artificially lower the price. But the problem with that is when you artificially lower the price, uh, you eliminate those marginal farms. The quantity of supply that's being produced is a lot less. And that means the only people that are left in the market are the ones who are able to pay the people, the poor people, to stand in line for this reduced supply. And a good example is in Venezuela, when they put in maximum prices on all kinds of products. The poor people stood in line for the rich people because rich people have the willingness to pay to pay for people to stand in line for them to buy the products that they're not going to stand in line for. Right, so. When you talk about government intervention in the equity sense, what ends up happening is the poor people don't get the product anyway. It eliminates the middle-income consumer, and the only people that end up with the product are the people that are willing to pay the bribe. The rich people. Are you? Are you a golfer? And you eliminate those marginal firms. Are you a golfer? Uh, what I. Yeah, I like to play golf, but I don't like to spend five hours on a golf course. So I'd rather go to a golf course, the driving range, hit a hit fifty buck fifty balls in a bucket, and then go chip on the green and then putt around the green, and I'm out in thirty minutes. Yeah, I mean golf for me. Is I call that efficiency. I call that efficiency, uh, Tom. 
Golf, well, golf should be a three-and-a-half-hour game walking, not five. Anyway, but so the reason why I asked is they opened up this course in Chicago years ago, George Dunn. The county opened it up, and they, they it was a really, really nice course. Well, still is. But it was, it was like, high-end. It was an elite course. And they, yeah. they were only charging, like, 20 bucks. You know, which, which, of course, for 20 bucks, the thing was off the chart. Well, you can only, you can only buy, you know, get a, 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 you said to go out there and buy the thing. There was no internet or anything like that. You could get it in advance. So, you had to wait in line. Well, it turns out people yeah. on Friday night or Saturday would actually, Friday night, there'd be guys that were there at 7 o'clock and they'd have their cars lined up waiting in line. Well, the guys in the trading floor that had some dough, they had guys that would go wait in line for them for, for 50 bucks to get exactly. the time in the morning. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what you just said, how things work. Whenever. It is, that's exactly yeah. how it works. Yeah. That is exactly how it works. Well, the price of, the, the place should have been priced, you know, not that anybody want to pay it. It should have been priced at probably 75 or 80 or at least yeah. to make it, to make it competitive with other places. But if I charge it. Who ends up playing? Yeah, it ends up. That person that can afford it, right? Yeah, well, sure. What? Because then, yeah, but the point being is whenever something's mispriced, you and I can describe all the things that are liable to happen to sort of make it fairly priced. And most of them are bad. Right? Yeah. <laughs> kickbacks and all the other the kind of The poor people can't, the poor people aren't using it. Yeah. The poor people aren't consuming it before and after the intervention. Right. That's and then before the intervention, middle-income people are able to afford it. But after the intervention, they're, they're eliminated because the marginal firms have been eliminated. And only the low-cost producers left in the market. And the only people that are available to afford it are the rich. And that's why rent control does not work. All right, we got rent get, control does not work. Oh, right, we're going to go to break, and then we'll come back and continue. SP Futures now on 35, and NASDAQ Futures now on 150. Again, this was made worse. We were in, down anyway. When the Target news came out, it made it even worse, even though Target's come back four hours. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
And I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SP futures down on 35.75. Nasdaq futures down 152. Does not look good. Uh, Dow futures. We can close here in a second. Dow futures are down uh, 226. Again, the only glimmer of green I have in the Dow is Merck's up 17 cents. Everything else is uh, red. The big movers are all in the retail area. Home Depot down 583. Uh, Walmart down 371. Costco down 1350. Target, which was down 15, is back to only down 12. But still, that's almost 8%. As they said, they have inventory issues uh, that are going to affect profitability going forward. So that's not good. For Europe, we came in. They were, they were not down very much. But now the DAX down 173. It's 1.2%. FTSE down 19. They're hanging in there. It's only 0.2%. CAC around down 71. That's 1.1%. So FTSE relatively strong. The rest of them not so much. Nikkei up 28 points. Call that flat. Shanghai up 5. Call that flat. Hang Seng down 122. That's 0.6%. So not much going on over in Asia. And this happened after they were closed. But when I say this happened with the target announcement. Yesterday the Dow was up 16. S&P up 12. NASDAQ up 48. It had to be the... Crummiest looking update I've seen in a long time. It just started real strong and just kept leaking, leaking, then it would go down and come back a little bit. Finally barely made it above. Dow, I think, was up, was up something in the 290 range yesterday or something. The close only up 16. It sure felt like a down day. Uh, bonds, down two basis points at 301, but over 3%. The bond down uh, one basis point, 1.31. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil. Uh, actually down 39 cents this morning, not much, to 118.11. Rent down 43 cents, 119.08. Natural gas up 15 cents, 9.47. That's probably the big news this week is this run up in natural gas. Arbob down 7 cents at 4.12. Uh, we've got gold up 6.30, 18.50. Silver down 5 cents, 22.03. Copper down 4 cents, 4.38. And last but not least, Bitcoin down 1800 now, 29,484. Big, big moves across the board. These are like six percent moves everywhere, everywhere in the in the cryptocurrency area. Eliani, what, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Thanks so much, Tom. Good morning, everyone. Currently seven thirty-five a.m. on June seventh. Let's start with baseball. Uh, Diamondbacks lost to the Reds last night, seven zero, with a chance for a comeback tonight at five forty. Cubs to play the Orioles tonight at six oh five, and the White Sox will be playing the Dodgers tonight at seven ten. Looking at traffic in Chicago, cloudy fifty with a high of sixty four and a low of fifty five. In Phoenix, currently sunny, 81 with a high of 107 and a low of 80. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, pretty hectic on the road, so be careful driving. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect with an accident at Harlem. 
We have traffic westbound on 290 between Holman and Wolf Road. Traffic northbound on 294 between West 127th and Irving Park Road. We have traffic southbound on 294 between the 55 South Ramp all the way to Route 50 due to an overturned car at the Route 12, Route 20 um, exit ramp. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Cumberland. Traffic eastbound 94 between Tui and Canalport. We have traffic westbound on 94 all the way from east 130th to West Dempster. Traffic northbound on 57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. We have traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and the Lakeshore Drive South Ramp. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East Oakwood Boulevard and East Grand. And finally, traffic southbound on Lakeshore between East Michigan Avenue and East Roosevelt Road. Back to you, Chief. East and east. East and east and east and east. Um, yeah, we've got uh, down here this morning ever since the, well, we were down anyway, but the t- Costco stuff did not help. Uh, you know, Hal, just in, in general, um, I mean, you and I, well, I think we both like the idea of, of a competitive marketplace, but it's really r- rare to find one. Uh, this whole inter- interaction between government and and people, uh, I'm not so sure. It, 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 it's a difficult problem, really. I mean, and it, it has. I mean, if you take the, I was reading some stuff, uh, quotes from Roosevelt last night, and his in his fourth uh, uh, acceptance speech, and he was talking about what you know people in this country deserve the ability to get a job where they can work. And of course, he didn't say that you didn't have to get a job. In his day, you had to get a job. Uh, you know, a, a job where you made enough money to provide for your family, not, you know, opulently, but provide. And somehow, there's always going to be people, no matter what, that need help. There's going to be people that have physical issues, they're not healthy, they're not whatever, families break up, you know, people could die early, whatever. There's always going to be those kinds of issues. And in, and in this country, I think in most countries, at least in most Western civilizations, you, you feel that there is a, a societal need to take care of those people that are unluckier than you. And I don't know if anybody necessarily disagrees with that uh, in principle, yet after years and years of, quote, doing it, it's kind of hard to... Uh, I mean, you took the two... I'm going to go back in history here. The two biggest examples of that, one that became law and one that didn't, was Lyndon Johnson had the massive Great Society program. And at the end of the day... An awful lot of money went out to people. You know, the only program I think that has survived to this day, correct me if I'm wrong, is Head Start. The rest of them are all dead, right? Uh, and an awful lot of people would say, God, by the time the, the check got down to the person who actually you were trying to find, if it ever got to them, you know, 10 cents on a dollar made it down, or all the rest of it got picked off by a bunch of losers along the way. Elected officials, people who work for the bureau, I mean, whatever. And, uh, that, you know, everybody wet their beak to the point there was no water left in the dish. And then we come out a few years later when Tricky Dick comes out with his negative income tax. I don't know if you remember that, uh, proposal. And what that basically says, look, if you're not, if you're not making any money, if you're, if you're handicapped, if you got no leg, we don't, we don't even care what your problem is. If you're not making any money, we're going to send you a check. And by the way, uh, and it's up to you to spend that for your handicap or whatever the hell it is. I'm not saying it was a perfect plan, but it was also designed that if you sat on the sofa, you got, in those days, maybe two grand. If you did any kind of work whatsoever, if you out and made 50 bucks, you got to keep like 48 of it. So it was incentivized in such a way where you were, you were incentivized to go out and do something. Now, but the moral hazard of that is, oh man, I can't just get send, send people checks. Yet in the first plan, 
didn't work so well either because the people you were targeting the money to probably never even got it or didn't get anywhere near as much as you start out with. I mean, whenever you have people designing these plans, I mean, I look at this thing with the, ba- the baby formula. The idea, first I had no idea, uh, Hal, that over 50% of the money spent for, for uh, baby formula comes from the government. I, I would have thought it was 10%, but 50 really blew me away a little bit. And now all of a sudden the idea that you're only going to have one supplier in every state that sort of bids on it, and there's four people that, that are in, in the business, uh, reminds me of the uh, Father Fitzgerald in Notre Dame saying there were four people in this one industry, I think it was road building. Whenever the, the bid came out, depending on the phase of the moon, you got to be the high bid that time, and next time it wasn't your phase of the moon, the other guy. So does anybody really think that these four players are not going to somehow, at least have, not accusing them, at least have the urge, if they were playing golf together, to say, hey, hey we, we could make this work pretty good. This isn't a bad deal. There's only four of us. I mean, is anybody, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not so sure that you and I could design it perfectly. We don't, we don't want any infant to go without chow, basically. Yet, we'd rather have people work and take care of their own kids. So we'd rather provide a job than we would provide the, I, I don't, if we were starting from scratch, how would we even do it, uh, Hal? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a whole, I mean, we've done it as about as bad as we could, I think, in just about every, every, every spot, every level of, of government. But it's not an easy, an easy thing to do either, is it? Well, what I'm going to say is not going to be very popular. And it's not, when, when libertarians open their mouth, people scream in horror. But I, I, we, I think we can say that when government gets involved, it doesn't do a very good job. And most of the stuff that, that government talks about, when you look at it in hindsight, years later, you're like, why? 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 Afghanistan, war in Afghanistan, why? War in Iraq, why? <clears throat> the Soviet Union's threat was a lie. You know, economists were estimating Russian GDP at 50% of American GDP. And then when the, when the whole thing collapsed, it ended up being about 5% of American GDP. Yeah. <clears throat> the, uh, the World War One. Woodrow Wilson promised not tickets to war. A few months later, or in war, right? That that whole debacle led to the Treaty of Versailles, which led to the war reparation in Germany, which led to the rise of Hitler, which led to World War Two, which led to the Cold War. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say that when government gets involved, it usually skews lies. The Afghanistan. I mean, I was talking to my mother-in-law about this on Sunday night. What was really, what was Afghanistan really about? Probably the minerals, the uranium that Afghanistan has. What was the war in Iraq really about? Oh, Probably yeah. the crude oil. Oh god, yeah. What are, what is the war in Ukraine really about? Probably we. Probably the minerals. Yeah. The, the the crude oil, the natural gas, the uranium, right? And I, I find this really interesting. The left was anti-war in Afghanistan and Iraq, but now they're all of a sudden with the Republican colleagues are so pro-war in Ukraine. When to be Ukraine is just another big lie. The Europeans and the Americans in the nineteen nineties, I think under Bill Clinton, in this negotiated deal, said Ukraine will never join NATO. And all of a sudden the Europeans in the mid two thousand and the Americans in the mid two thousand tens they wanted Ukraine to join NATO. 
Now, why did they want that? Probably for the same reason that we wanted war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Right? And so, to avoid the war in Ukraine, all we have to say is, we're going to stick to the deal that Clinton negotiated in the 1990s. Ukraine won't join NATO. Or we could have kept our food oil production and natural gas production growing like it was before uh, 2021. And crude mm-hmm. prices and natural gas prices would probably be so low right now that Putin, the evil person that he is, could have waged war in Ukraine. Well, I don't know about, so, that. Don't Tom, know about that. Tom, I'm telling you, when you look at it from, uh, from a, a lens far away in a historical sense, I think this, what we conclude is government fills us with all kinds of lies to create these protectionisms for corporations and individuals. And the way I would do it is I would scrap the whole regulatory state. I would restore the federalism that we were talking about last Tuesday. I would restore that federalism. Well, I, I would... I don't disagree on the idea of Iraq and the oil and all the other kind of stuff because there's always people that are going to be gainers in this mess. But the idea that... Um, I have two points to make here. The, the, the idea that, uh, you know, we probably... In retrospect, uh, you know, if you look at the war, the Kuwait war, the first Iraqi war, there have been people that will tell you that we pretty much, we, somebody in government, pretty much told Saddam Hussein that we didn't care if he went down there. I mean, and then all of a sudden we did care. I mean, uh, there's, yeah. there's, but I'm, I'm, my point is we can, we can point at some bureaucrat and say maybe we pushed a little too hard, not even a bureaucrat, a senator, uh, the guy just died, uh, McLean, McCain, uh, was all for uh, Ukraine joining NATO, um, but so yeah, there was there was some provocation there, but you know, in regular people, not like Putin, would fight that out at the United Nations or fight it out verbally. You don't pile in there and start shelling people's houses. I mean, it, we we never gave him the okay to do that. We're not, I mean, when it, when, it's, when, it, when it becomes his day in front of St. Peter, I don't think he can use us as an excuse, if there is a St. Peter. I mean, well, this is, the, this is the argument I was using with my mother-in-law. If you remember back to the Bay of Pigs incident, I think the scenario is parallel. I mean, we didn't want Russian nukes on Cuban soil, because Cuba, before the, the Communist Revolution, was de facto the United States. It was our Las Vegas. It's where business people and politicians went and gambled and had a lot of fun, right? So we didn't want we didn't want Russia military on the island of Cuba, right? Oh yeah. And Ukraine is Russia's Cuba. Well, what I'm saying, and so they didn't want NATO. They don't want well, NATO. Well, in, in their mind, in Ukraine. Well, my point being is somewhere in here, and, and Lou will, will tell the story. I mean, Lou knows all about being in Russia for as long as he was. Guys like Putin, they absolutely they, they felt like Ukraine, like the Chinese do to Taiwan. Yeah, and, and and our opinion is, being Americans, hey, if the people in Ukraine don't want to be with the people in Russia, and would rather be with well, I, mean, I think half the half the population in Ukraine is ethnic Russian, uh, Orthodox Russian. Well, the other half is Ukrainian, you know, more Catholic. Well, okay, right? so I think. Ukraine is like 50-50, right? Uh, I'm going to say it's not... I'm, I'm going to go 25-75, but, I, but I, I don't know. I mean, that's what uh, our girl Angelica would say. But 
just the eastern areas. No, I'm with you. And so, yeah. But could, should there have been some sort of a negotiated, hey, look, if you people want to join Russia in these in these five states, go ahead. But, I mean, it, I don't think it ever gives somebody, the, I mean, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll take it back one step further to a guy that nobody likes. I'm going to say that Adolf Hitler was absolutely correct at, pay, at telling the rest of the world to take the Versailles Treaty and shove it up there behind. I mean, because the thing was, yeah, you know, James wrote, wrote the War yeah. Reparations article. Yeah, he left the Treaty of Versailles, and then he predicted that the thing that he wrote would lead to Hitler. Right. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Come on, man. I mean, I I would have no problem with the guy getting out from underneath that ridiculous document, but once he started, you know, yeah. dropping shells on people, no, you don't get to do that. You know, that's where I draw the line. But, you know, I want to go back on your on your government part. Uh, I'm going to say that the stuff that we look at, you know, we try to be just, you know, on the top level here, you and I, which, you know, actually there's an awful lot of spots in this country where government, I think, works fine, to where every small town is not run by crooks. Every small town has people that run the water department and actually show up for work, work well, every day. The question is, why is that? I think the reason why that is because... In small towns, you go to church with they, the politician. Yeah. Your kids go to the same schools. You buy groceries at the same store. You buy gas at the same store. That that social interaction with the politicians in a local area create uh, diminishes the marginal the, uh, the, the moral hazards and the bad decision making. Certainly helps. And that's my argument. That's my argument for federalism, restoring federalism. Right. That's my argument for it. Except that it's not well. I'll give you one example where I think that maybe is not all that true. Uh, first of all, I like to think it's true, but I bought, long story, I bought this uh, Fort Branco out in Rhode Island, right? So I'm driving it home, and there's a spot right in Pennsylvania, in eastern Pennsylvania, western Pennsylvania, which is like halfway between New York, New Jersey, all those places in Chicago. Uh, I forget the name of the town. but And, of course, my buddy says to me, go, go into the rest stop and get a, one of those, you know, Magazines, you'll get a huge discount. So I stop at this Holiday Inn Suite place, and it's like they want 150 for the room. And I go, well, the, the magazine said like 70 for a suite. We'll go get the magazine. Then it was 70. I'm like, really? <laughs> anyway, so I, I go in, uh, like Carlisle or something. I don't know. But so, of course, I said, where, where do you want to eat? I, mean, don't, I drive somewhere and need some dinner. Just go right into our bar here. We got the best burgers in town. Okay, so I go in there. There's a nice, nice, attractive middle-aged lady. I start talking to her. She's a teacher. And she says, well, I'm meeting somebody. I'm meeting my brother. I'm thinking, okay. The brother shows up. I immediately stopped talking to her. Started talking. The brother was a city manager in one town and was on the board of, like, four others. And that was his career. And he says, you know, one of the oddest things is one town will have a city council. Everybody's paid the right amount. Everybody has the, the right pension. And the pension's been contributed to every year perfectly. There's never a dime out of whack. Town runs damn near perfectly. One town over. It's like people can't add. They gave people pensions they can't afford. (laughs) These are the same kind of people. Because it's not like there's anybody's anybody's finger in the pie. They just, they just were scattered at it. They don't, I mean, I know my, my, uh, extended families. One of the guys was the head of the, uh, what do you call the guys? Who are in the, they're not they're not plumbers, but they're in the big water water plant plants that pump water to the city and stuff. And he was the head of that union. He goes, 
We never demanded some crazy raise. We never did anything. We were cost. We're right with pretty much cost of living. We all make a decent living. We've never had a strike. Never had an outage. <laughs> you know, those guys. All we do is we do our job, and, and nobody ever. We've never. We tell the mayor, "How much can you afford? If you can't afford it, we'll we'll do this. We'll get some next time." You know, there's all kinds of places in this country. I think that people are are decent and do the right thing. You, you, maybe you just never hear about them. I don't oh, know. Oh, the vast majority of people. The vast majority of people. If you watch Dennis Drivers and Die, it's one of my favorite shows. Most people just wanted to live their life. They, they're great people. They treat people with respect. They're like my mom. Uh, they don't judge people. They don't tell you. Don't, don't hang out with John because his dad has a male boyfriend and they live right next door. They're not judge. I, I think most people are good, solid, decent people. But the the media doesn't focus on them. No, there's no it news there. It focuses on these outliers. That's the news. The outliers. So we think the world's falling apart. We think it's crazy because that's what the news focuses on, right? Well, if you're in a place like Chicago and you look at the numbers last weekend, there's like 15 mass shootings in the country. Yeah, it's, it's getting it's getting crazy. Something's out of whack. Well, I think I think there's this concerted effort to not police. So that crime is out of control. So that the, the solution that they can provide is we're going we're to clamp down on all kinds of activities. I mean, if you look at Nigeria, looking at Nigeria this week, Nigeria has really onerous anti-gun laws on the books. They won't issue licenses. Um, you, the only way you're going to get a license is if you get an approval from like the president or the, the head of the police in in that particular state within Nigeria, and they just had 50 Christians or more slaughtered in a church by people with guns. So I, I don't think gun laws are the solution. I think what's going on is you don't want, you don't want to police people. You're, you're reducing your policing effort. Crime is going up. Inflation is rising faster than wages. Yep. We're headed for a recession. I don't care what these people say. I think we're in a recession already. I think we are, too. And, and when that happens, crime goes up, and that gives politicians a license to stamp down and become less federalist, to be more of a, 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 a tyranny in a, in a federal sense. So they're, they're going to use this as an excuse, like they do with public safety in terms of the, the, the interstate commerce involving milk. Yeah. Always, politicians always claim, well, we got to look out for the public safety, so we're not going to allow milk from New Jersey to be imported into the state of New York, right? So they're going to use it as an excuse to clamp down on us. And I don't think it works. So I, I think the only solution, Tom, to your original question, is to restore federalism. If you don't restore federalism, the nation's going to split. Well, but you're not going to split. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cheering for it. I'm not clapping for it. I'm not wanting it. But when you force people to all think and live exactly the same way, whether in California or Wyoming, it's going to split the country. I, I would agree with that. It's, I, yeah. somehow in the last month or two, well, on a personal level, it seems like I, I will, you know, I have a lot of friends or people, acquaintances, and, I mean, and, and, and Audrey's always a, uh, a great source because when she meets all kinds of people in her in a real estate business and uh, and she's the type of person is that Audrey? yeah that people open up to you know and, uh, yeah I like how Audrey says the word three in her commercial oh, oh, three I, 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 
<laughs> I keep saying it, it's not a tree, it's three. She hates it when I tell her that, by the way. <laughs> I am saying three. Tree for two. Tree for two or something. Oh, she, she's from the south side. What can I tell you? Say tree fitty. Yeah, as, as my mother used to say, you sound like you're from 33rd or 33rd in the tracks. What's the matter with you? I sent you to the best school. <laughs> well, my uncle, my uncle Paul, when you ask him to go to the movie, you know what he says? He says, yes, but I know yes is could do. Yes. Oh, God. Could do. <laughs> well, you know, some of these acronyms, you can tell kind of what parts of the country people come from. But it, anyway, in the last, I'm going to say six weeks, I've just heard of or including the guy in Texas, are these, you know, older enough males between 18 and 35 that either don't have a job or sort of have a half-assed job or, or you know, spend all their time in their room, don't talk to their parents, God knows what they're Where, where did all this happen? What is... I don't know how you fix it. How does all that happen? Why, why aren't they out playing ball at night? Why aren't, why aren't they bowling? Why, why aren't they working? I mean, what is going on? Uh, hell well, I think people are sucked into social media. The government is, I mean, if you read Thomas Sowell Walter Williams, the government destroyed the black family uh, in the 1960s and 70s. Oh, sure they did. Black wealth and uh, divorce rates were, divorce rates were a lot lower than their white counterparts. And wealth and incomes of black families are rising faster than white incomes and wealth. Black people are catching up to whites in America, but then they had the, the war on poverty. And what that did is it splintered the black family. So you don't, you no longer have fathers, mother, basically mothers marry the state, and the state takes care of their kids, and there's no longer a father in the household. But what's going on now is that's spreading into other demographics. Oh, absolutely. So you see a lot of fatherlessness in white families that you didn't see, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So you have a bunch of young kids who need, I, in my opinion, this is not an economist, this is house, not a personal views. You need that father and that mother in a household to raise young, healthy children in a loving household. Right? And I don't think you're getting that. And you got the social media. Well, marijuana is five times more potent. The marijuana today that my students probably smoke is not the same marijuana that we smoked 20 years ago or 30 years ago or that was smoked at Woodstock. It is concentrated, highly concentrated levels of THC. And if you connect the marijuana to these shooters, I think you're going to find a correlation. Well, I mean, the, the, the black so areas... There's a lot of things going on, Tom. Well, the black areas had... Uh, if you listen to... Uh, we haven't had him in a while. you getting him back. Uh, Eric May. He used to work for... I think it was the Washington Post. On, on the street as a reporter when he first came out of school. And Eric's a terrific guy. And he uh, he said, you know, I, I used to cover, what do you say, one one or one to four murders a month. And as soon as uh, crack cocaine shows up, it jumped to like 25 that month. Yeah. And again, that's, that's Nixon's war on drugs, right? Yeah. The war on drugs basically concentrates all of these uh, products that people want to use. It concentrates them and turns them from benign things into these dangerous products because they have to be concentrated so they can distribute, the, distribute them without being caught. It's like moonshine yep. and beer and wine, right? All right, bud, we got a dash. Talk at you next week. Have a good week. SP Futures not on 41. It's a low of the day so far. NASDAQ down 171. Again, this was Costco's announcement. Not Costco. Target took all the other uh, big, big box stores down with them. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. 
offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.